Welcome to the MWC Church Podcast. This is Stephen Luna, the lead pastor. I just want to take a second to say thank you for listening, and I hope you find that this inspires you in your relationship with Christ. Now here's this week's sermon. Hey, let's, let's go ahead and let me just pray over this, uh, man. Let me, let me pray over our service. Father, thank you so much for all that you're doing, all that you've done. Thank you for, for this worship, this, this, this body of believers. Thank you for this family, Lord, that we, if maybe we walked in here feeling like a stranger or maybe not knowing the people next to us, Lord, we know that your desire is for us to understand that the, the greatest common denominator in this room is you, Lord, that you have gathered us under one name, that we bear the name of Christ, that, that nothing else that society has allowed to, to divide or distort or bring dissension, Lord, uh, should matter when we understand and recognize that we have Jesus as our great common denominator. We love you. We submit ourselves to you. Move in this place. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. amen. Guys, I missed you. I missed this place. I was gone for about two weeks. Uh, some, someone came up to me like, Pastor, you feel rested? You ready to go? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Because uh, I, I, we just finished driving in a car from here to Florida, about a 20-hour drive uh, with, with a bunch of uh, toddlers. There was like six kids under the age of seven, and uh, including Desmond, who is the crazy. I love him. He's just crazy. He gets it from his mom. But um, it, we, we just, we, it, it, was, it was an incredible trip. We, we went, and everyone's like, ooh. Ooh, Florida, so fan. and I'm just like, we were in business sessions in the morning and services at night. We stayed at a place that had a pool, and we were in there one time. It was a week, and we only swam in it once. By the end of it, I was begging. I'm like, Katie, please, can we just like skip one day? Like, the Lord don't care if we skip one day and just swim. And she's like, we are going to business sessions. And I'm like, all right, my, wife, my wife's the business person, and I'm, and I'm the service person. So like, when we talk about skipping, I'm like, let's get business. And she's like, let's skip a service. And she's like, she hates to admit that, but she, she loves the business. She, and, I, and I'm so thankful that my wife takes serious the business of the body. Uh, anyway, so I'm trying to like backtrack. But it was, it was a great time. It was really, it was really resting, and uh, we were able to, to go with Pastor Justin and Lisa, and we, because uh, we, we're, we're part of a, a fellowship, the Assemblies of God, and we went, and we were gathered with thousands of other ministers and conducting business for the, our, our fellowship, and it, it was great. It was a great time. The week after that, we went to Kansas City. Everybody say, Kansas City. I love Kansas City. I never realized how awesome Kansas City is. If you've never been there, um, you need to go because it's awesome. I love it. And uh, by, I, I also discovered this time in Kansas City that there are areas of, of desired growth and undesired growth. I realized this, this week at Kansas City that um, I long for the days, I, I, I pined for the days when, when I could eat whatever I wanted and not feel sick during the night. Anybody else miss those days where you could like have like a thousand slices of pizza and, and feel fine the next day? Um, that is not the case anymore. Even in Florida, there was a Giordano's there. And uh, give it up for Giordano's. If you've never been there, you're missing out. So uh, we don't have good pizza here in Wichita. I'm just going to be honest. We don't have good pizza. Old Chicago is probably the closest thing we got, and even that is not that great. Uh, but in Chicago, we have really good pizza. We have deep dish they had a deep dish pizza. That was the highlight of Orlando. It was like, like what, what did the Lord speak to you? Giordano's. <laughs> like, just kidding. Uh, but, but we went, yeah, so we had some Giordano's pizza. And um, I missed those days where I didn't have to first stop at a gas station and find some like, like antacid before I could have a slice of pizza. Uh, I'm getting old. I'm going to be 30 this week. Goodness gracious. You guys, no, you guys no longer have a young pastor. I'm an old man. I was 25 when I first started. Now I'm 30. And I'm dirt, dirt, dirty and third. What is that? Dirty, dirt. Never mind. I'm not. 
But yeah, I, I miss those days where I could just have pizza and not feel sick in the morning. I, I miss those days where, where I could have a, a whole bowl of ice cream and not have to take some lactate. You know, like I, I, I miss that. I miss that. Uh, the, I, I've experienced that in my, my growth, my desired growth of age, there's an undesirable side effect, and that is also age, getting older. And, and there should be a lot more amens to this, right? Like, please don't make me feel like I'm the only one. Um, but I also discovered that my son August has an area of, of undesired growth. He, he wants to be big. He wants to grow when it's convenient, right? When, when he wants a slice of, or when he wants a, a piece of bubble gum, and I'm just like, sorry, dude, you're not old enough yet. You're, gonna just, you're just gonna swallow it, and uh, it's not gonna be good for you, right? Like, like he wants to be old when, when he wants to stay up later, and, and uh, when, when we talk about, I found an area in his life that he did not want to grow old, and he found there's an undesirable side of growth. We were at Kansas City. We went to Worlds of Fun and with, my, with my parents, and uh, we were riding all the kid rides with, with them, and they were loving it. They were having a blast. Like, they, they, like roller, they, they like rides. They like rides. But then there came a point where we were passing the Mamba, and this park was so empty that you could just literally walk in line and get to the front seat and take it and come back again and do the same thing. It was amazing. So I was just like, listen, uh, you guys just sit right here. And you remember the part. Has anyone ever been on the Mamba? Do we have any roller coaster fans, worlds of fun. Yeah, uh, the Mamba, there's a little pavilion right when you get in line that you can just sit there and wait, and there's a portion of the ride that you can see people screaming their heads off as they're going around, and it's amazing. And uh, August was, every ride, he was running up and measuring him, himself to see if he could measure up, to see if he's experienced enough growth to partake in the festivity. So uh, every kiddie ride, he was able to, but this one in particular, the Mamba, he wasn't big enough. So I was like, dude, don't worry about it. You'll grow. Everybody say, you'll grow. You'll grow, and you'll be able to ride this. But I'm going to hop on by myself because there's no weight, all right? So see you later. High fives all around, and I hopped on the ride. Super selfish. It was my only moment, right? So I got on there. We get on the ride. I t- or before I get on there, I tell August, August, you're going you're gonna to see Daddy on, on this portion of the roller coaster. I'm going to scream your name, and then you'll see me. So, so I'll be right back. So I get on the ride. I'm going. Huge drop. Love it. I love roller coasters. And eventually, uh, I get to that turn, and I'm like, August! And I'm like going nuts. And I get off the ride, and I'm like, dude, that was so cool. He saw me and everything. I get to him, and there is a, a bit of, uh, of, of fear and terror in his eyes, and he's a little, like, shaken, and he's trying to figure out what happened. Well, anyway, we, we get back home, and we're, we're, the next day, my, brother, my, or my son August is a super introspective kid. He thinks a lot. He, he sits, and he stews on, on things. I'll say something, and you'll bring it up three weeks later and talk about it. Well, anyway, a couple days later, we were having breakfast, and August was just sat there. Normally, he's just scarfing his food down, but he sat there, and he's like, Daddy, I don't, I don't want to eat this morning. I'm like, what? When have you never wanted to eat? That's all you do. You guys are, like, so expensive because all you do is eat. And he's like, he's like well, I know if I eat, I'm going to grow, and if I grow, then one day I'll have to ride a roller coaster. <laughs> August discovered an area of undesirable growth. He didn't want to ride that roller coaster. He saw me screaming, and that must have instilled some fear in him. But, but here's one thing I know, that there are areas of undesired growth, uh, and that happens on accident. But then there are areas of desired growth, and any area in your life that you have ever desired growth never happens on accident. Can I say that again? No area of desired growth ever happens on a- accident. In fact, I'd say it this way. Desired growth... Never happens on accident. All desired growth comes from small, repetitive, and intentional steps in the right direction. No matter what your 
setting out to grow in, if you are going to achieve that amount of growth, you need to take small, repetitive, intentional steps in the right direction. Can I just tell you this? In, In all of human history, there has never been a single person that woke up, looked down and said, yes, I got a six pack from sitting on the couch. You know, like, I, I had a, a shake weight, and I just held that for years, and I finally got the abs and the triceps and the, and the, and the biceps I've been looking for. Like, it doesn't happen. It's got to be small, repetitive, intentional steps in the right direction. Jeff Bezos, the, the CEO of Amazon, listen, he, he one day, he woke up with $100 billion, uh, but, but guess what? It didn't happen because he just slept one night. It happened because he, he took risks, because he took a, a bunch of courses and classes because of hard work, tenacity, Small, repetitive steps, intentional steps in the right direction. The same is true. If you want to grow in any area of life, academically, scholastically, spiritually, emotionally, uh, relationally with anybody, if you are going to grow, if you're going to achieve desired growth, you need to take small, intentional steps in the right direction. The same is true in our relationship with Christ. I had a spiritual mentor friend of mine. Uh, he was a pastor, and we would meet on occasion, and we would end every meeting with prayer. He just, he, we'd, we'd just pray together. And, and I remember after about the sixth time I met with him, I, I told him, I was like, man, I, I want to pray like you someday. Like, I, I really, I really want to grow in my, in my prayer life just like you. What, how can I do that? And he's like, do you have a pen and paper? I'm like, absolutely. So I, I pulled out a pen and paper, and, and, I, and, I, and I think he's going to give me, like, a bunch of resources or some podcasts to listen to or, or some theology books. And, and, I, and I just begin to write down the word resources, underline it. And I begin marking my paper. And he says this, here, I'm going to give you a few easy steps. First thing is this. You need to be a Christian. I'm like, okay, I need to be a Christian. Check. He said, great. You're a quarter of the way there. Next step. You need to understand that Jesus came to save you and that he continues to save you. Okay. He said this, you need to desire to hear the word of God or or, or the voice of God. Okay. And fourth, you need to submit to that on a daily basis. Okay. And five, last step, just start praying. What the heck, man? Like, we, we didn't meet much after that, but no, we, we continued to meet. But what he, what, he, what he ended up telling me, he's like, listen, I grew in my, in my prayer language or I grew in, in, in prayer because I, I continued to pray, because I, I submitted myself. It wasn't this get-rich-quick scheme. It wasn't a, a bunch of steps that I could just follow. It was, it was specifically praying and submitting myself to Jesus. Like, it's because he was working in me and, and doing things in me, and I was going to him as the source. That, that's the only reason why I was growing spiritually. And I believe that in this room, every single one of us wants to grow in our relationship with Christ. But I believe also that not everyone, unfortunately, is willing to do the things required to grow. If I asked who wants to grow, hands all over the place. But if I asked who's willing to do the, what it takes to grow, we'd see that hands would go down more and more. That's just the way humanity is wired. But here is what I believe that God's desire for us is to give us the strength that we need to grow. He doesn't leave us where we are. That's what his grace is. It's not just a, a get out of hell free card. His grace isn't, isn't something that we use to just say, okay, one day I'm just gonna hold out and one day I'll, I won't make it to hell, I'll make it to heaven. That's not, that's not the only definition of grace. Grace is power to live for Christ here on earth. 
And his grace wants to empower us, and he wants to empower us to grow. And how do we grow? If we had to summarize it, I would simply suggest to you growth track. Growth track is this. It is the step. The first one is to know God. Everybody say, know God. Know God. God wants to, and the beautiful thing about that is that God wants to be known by you. I'm thankful that we serve a God that he doesn't require me to climb a mountain and, and get to a certain mountain peak and achieve all this stuff, and, and then when I get there, he'll, he'll reveal himself to me. No, we serve a God who wants to be known. He's, make it, he's made it so easy. There's Bibles everywhere, right? Like God wants to be known. The second thing is that he wants us to find freedom. Find freedom. The third thing, and Pastor Justin talked about it last week, discover purpose, right? Uh, we know that discovering purpose isn't a mission impossible. Uh, Pastor Justin talked about what it meant to be centered and even shared his spiritual gift of clapping. Um, we, we know, we know that, that God wants us to know him, find freedom, discover purpose, and lastly, and this is what I'm talking about today, to make a difference, Make a difference. When you, once you've known God or as you're knowing God and as you're finding freedom and as you're discovering a purpose, the Lord wants you to take all of those things and make a difference, to, to implement that. Listen, if the purpose of life is to, to discover your gift, then the meaning of life is to make a difference by giving it away. If the purpose of life is to, to, to discover the gifts that we have, then the meaning of life is to give that away which even that philosophy biblically flies in the face of everything we're taught. I mean, think about this. When, when, since you've been very young, the, the narrative that you've been told in the home is to, to work really hard, get good grades so that you can go to a good school or get a good job and then make good money and then provide. And, 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 and this is what we talk about. But if, if that is the peak of life, just, just go and uh, 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 receive an education so that you can uh, just gather more resources, I'm here to tell you that, that there's more to life than that. I would say that in the kingdom of heaven, we gather so that we can give. We gather intellect, we gather wisdom, we gather knowledge, we gather faith, we gather, yes, even resources so that we can give it away. You know what? There is nothing that you have ever received that you will take with you to heaven. The only thing that you will ever take are the people alongside you. So the greatest investment is to give to those around us. How do we make a difference? By giving our gifts away. The first thing I want to tell you is this. Give away your gifts by serving people. If I had to give a title to this message, it would be Give It Away Now. Uh, and I started thinking about the Red Hot Chili Peppers song, Give It Away, Give It Away. So I literally wrote in my, in my title, Give It, RTD, 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 because that's how you spell it, right? <laughs> give It Away Now. So uh, the title of the message is, is Give It Away Now. We make the greatest difference when we give things away. So the first thing is this. Give away your gifts by serving people. Everybody say serving people. Look what 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 tells us. God has given each of you, notice it doesn't say some, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Listen, you already have gifts. They may have, have shown themselves in other areas, but there is an underlying theme. Like just yesterday, somebody told me, they're like, Pastor, I'm a, I'm a fisherman. Like, like what, what gift do I have? Like I'm really good at, at, at fishing. How can that positively impact the kingdom of heaven? And I'm like, you got the spiritual gift of patience, right? Like, like you have to, you have to. So there may be something that you're just incredibly better than the people around you. And the purpose isn't for you to gloat over them and say, look how much superior I am to you. 
how much more superior I am to you. But instead, it's to say, why am I good at that and how can I serve the rest of the body? Look what he says here. God has given each of you, no one excluded, everybody. God has given all of us a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well. And how do we use them well? The answer is in the text. Use them well to serve one another. Serve one another. Serve people. I'm going to give you super uh, just applicable. Serve people with your three T's. Your three T's. Time, talent, and treasure. Time, talent, and treasure. My wife's, one, one of our favorite hobby as we're driving or one of our greatest pastimes is to listen to podcasts. We listen to a lot of TED Talks and we listen to a lot of sermons and we listen to Tim Keller uh, podcasts and just uh, we also listen to a lot of Dave Ramsey. That's probably her favorite. Remember how I told you she's very business-minded? She loves Dave Ramsey. So we'll listen to a lot of, uh, we call him Dave. We're on a first-name basis in our house with, with Dave Ramsey. Uh, so we listen to a lot of Dave and uh, he, he, he had a caller one time call on the show, and they, they were just like, listen, Dave, I'm, I'm, I'm debt-free, and, and he's like, awesome, and they did their debt-free scream. It was so cool. One day we're going to do that, my wife and I, and uh, he said this. He's like, uh, so now that I'm debt-free, Dave, what, what, what should I invest in? And I pulled out my phone, and I took a note because I'm like, yeah, I'm interested to see what he would say, what we should invest in. And uh, I'm expecting to hear like some, you know, invest in Google or invest in some stock or, or some, something like that, and he said this. There's two resources that are never going to be renewed or replaced. There's only two of them. Land, they're not making any more land, and they won't make any more land. You can't find any more land. It's all, it's all we have in time. Now, he was saying real estate, but I'm not telling you, you guys do your own thing. But the thing I'm trying to point out to you here is that, is that when he said that we are never going to have more time, he meant this, the seconds that we just lost. We're never going to get those again. So what should we invest in our talents into? What should we maximize our time? Our time. Ephesians 5, 11 through 16 says it this way. Paul says, don't waste your time on useless work, mere busy work, the barren pursuits of darkness. Expose these things for the sham they are. It's a scandal when people waste their lives on things that they must do in darkness where no one else will see. Rip the cover off those frauds and see how attractive they look in the light of Christ. Wake up from your sleep. Climb out of your coffins. Christ will show you the light. So watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Man, if we could utilize the time that we've been given to maximize serving one another, pointing people to Christ. The second admonition is this. Our talents each of us have talents. The greatest thing we can do with them is to use them for God's glory and the benefit of each other. If we get the recognition we feel we deserve or not, it should not matter. Serving and giving our talents to people is invaluable. First off, we need to understand that our talents are a gift. First uh, Corinthians 4, 7, what do you have that God hasn't given you? What do you have that God hasn't already given you? And if everything you have, if everything you have is from God, why boast as though it were not a gift? That means the thing that we use to pride ourselves on, whatever we've acquired or accrued, whatever, whatever skill set that we have, and we just use it as a, as a badge of honor, really, the Lord would say that, that we need to understand that, that that's from him anyway. Why would we ever use that as a point of pride? 
but to humble ourselves. And what should we do with that? Serve. Romans 15, 2, 3 says this, each of us should please our neighbor for their good, to build them up, for even Christ did not build himself. Philippians 2, 3 would say, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, consider others as more important as yourselves, looking to their interest and not your own. This flies in the face of every philosophy that is set up in this culture where we, we look to, to influence and, and gather more influence and prestige and honor and likes on social media and, and zeros in our bank account and, and, and prop ourselves up on that. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those things in and of themselves, but if we use them as a source of where we find our personal value, we're missing out in fact, in the kingdom of heaven, it's, it's the exact opposite. I believe there's going to come a day where the Lord's going to say, and we know that this is going to happen, how much did you give to advance the kingdom of heaven? How much did you give to the betterment of the people around you, to, to encourage those that, that were experiencing discouragement? In fact, we literally see in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, look what he says here. This is how we've come to understand and experience love. Christ sacrificed his life for us. This is why we ought to live sacrificially for our fellow believers and not just be out for ourselves. If you see some brother or sister in need and you have the means to do something about it, but turn a cold shoulder and do nothing, what happens to God's love? He answers it. It disappears. And you have made it disappear. And when I first read this text, it was like my eyes were completely open and I started thinking, Goodness, Lord, how, how, could I, how could I be more aware of my surroundings? How, could I just, how, can, I open up my, how can you open up my eyes to see people and to, to see situations? And you know, as I read, read this text, the Holy Spirit began opening up my eyes to the individuals who were in need, and there was a ton of them. And then I began to pray, God, help me to give me the means to provide for them and to help for them and to, and to, and to encourage them. And to, even if it's just an encouraging word, not just a financial gift, but, but God, help me do these things. And you know what he did? Because I started praying like that, he gave me the means to do so. Because my prayers were aligned now with his will. I wasn't just praying, God, I, wanna, I want this new car or this new house or this new. It was, God, I, I want to bless, I want to honor, I want to encourage, I want to manage well. And God began to increase and bless and bless. So we use our time, talents, and treasures to serve people. We give away our gifts by serving people. And you know what? What happens, the result of that is incredible joy. Anybody who's, who's walked in the gift of, of generosity, which is a spiritual gift, by the way, you know to believe that, or you understand that when you begin to give and you're generous and you do things in secret and you secretly bless people, that you end up feeling incredible for that. You know, just recently, this is a very small example, but it was, it was a, a very unique one that I've never experienced before because it involved my kids who are very young. Uh, my wife, Katie, was going to the gym, and she's like, hey, um, I know you're going to go work, and you usually use your AirPods, but do you think I can borrow them for the gym? And I'm like, well, I, I was going to go work. And then I was like, and she's like, oh, if you're going to work, don't worry about it. So then I walk back to the car, and she's about to pull out. I grab my AirPods, and I, I just didn't think about this. I'm like, here, Kate, you take them. And I gave them to her. And then Aubrey, my little girl, she said, oh, daddy, that's cute. She's three years old. And I'm like, she understands generosity. At three years old, she understands what it means to, to even if it's a small sacrifice, to put somebody else ahead of yourself. And I felt so great. I'm like, yeah, I, I want them to see that. Um, so anyway, that was my little story. 
But you know, even science has proven that, that generosity, that when we give, that we end up feeling incredibly joyous. Uh, in fact, in human biology, back in 2013, they, they backed this idea up. The Wall Street Journal reported that acts of generosity produce the neurochemical oxytocin. It's sometimes known as, it's sometimes known as the cuddle hormone or the love hormone. Uh, it, it's released in us into our brain when we walk in generosity. Like they, they've discovered that they put these little things, these, these things on people's brains and they saw that there was th- that chemical release that was happening as people were becoming more and more generous. God has designed us to experience joy when we are generous, when we seek to make a difference by serving others. But here's one thing I know. When we talk about our talents, our skill sets and abilities, we could all point to instances or circumstances where we feel like maybe we didn't maximize the impact of our giftings. You know, maybe, maybe you're an individual who you knew God was calling you to do something. Maybe you made a, a moral compromise. And from, and from that point on, you've been telling yourself that your skill sets and your abilities are no longer needed or necessary for the kingdom. Maybe you feel like like you've missed out on your one opportunity, but can I tell you this morning that God's call for us to make a difference, for our growth and for his glory is, is not just for a select few. It's not those with a great and, and, and spotless track record. If you have failed, and maybe you haven't invested in yourself or your abilities or in, into the kingdom, I'm here to tell you that God is a redeemer and no matter how far you feel like you've gone off track and you, maybe you haven't leveraged your abilities for, for others or maybe you've been super selfish on, on, on things that you've done, well, I, I know this is a hard thing to even admit, but I'm here to tell you that we serve a redeemer. Paul persecuted the church and yet he was restored. Peter denied Jesus three times. And we know this story, but, but put yourself in the context of that text. Peter walked with Jesus for three years. On the whole span of human history, there has never been a group of people so close in proximity to God than the original 12. And even amongst the original 12, Peter, James, and John stood as the the core three. They were there during the transfiguration when they saw Moses and Elijah. Like they, they were there in, in some of the most incredibly spiritual holy moments that have ever dawned the face of this planet. They walked so close to, to Jesus and yet Peter denied him, denied even knowing him. And the thing that flies in my face when I read that text is that Jesus even told him it would happen. So he knew to look out for it and yet he still chose to deny Jesus. I don't, know, I don't care how bad you feel like you've messed up or how far you've deterred from the plans of God for your life. If Peter, the person who was so close, closer than you'll ever be physically to Jesus until heaven, if he failed and was restored, why would he not redeem and restore you? Why wouldn't he? In fact, I know this to be true because I know the grace of my God. If Peter would have denied Jesus 3,000 times, 
he would have still been restored. He would have still been redeemed. There's times when we allow our talents to take us where our character can't keep us. Maybe you feel that you've been there. When we allow our talent to take you where your character can't keep you, God can no longer use you until, until he can break you. And that, and that sounds kind of hard, but, but the breaking of God is not malicious. When he breaks his, his children, it's not malicious. It's not a slap upside the head. When we, when we see breaking, this word breaking in scriptures, it's, it's, it's mainly uh, the kind of breaking that you would see a good doctor perform on someone whose arm was previously broken that's set in a wrong way that could not be as functional as it needs to be. So the Lord comes in and he, he allows us to be broken only to restore and to heal. And I believe that some of you are gifted, man. You've got talents. I mean, you, in your role, you are the best person at some specific thing. Maybe you're the only one in your row and you're like, I'm the best at everything. But maybe you feel because you haven't been leveraging all that God has given you for his glory that somehow he is done with you. Can I say, friend, that is a lie from the pits of hell. He is still working on you and he wants to continue to use you. But what needs to happen? We need to be broken. And if you're sitting in your row thinking, you know what, I'm, I'm pretty good. And I would caution, maybe that's a sign of pride and you need to be broken as well. If we're not consistently going to the source and we start standing on our own abilities, that's a fearful place to be. But I don't think the spirit of the Lord in this room is is against us. He's not trying to condemn us. We know that the word tells us that, that Christ does not condemn. He convicts, yes, but he's, he's not our condemner. He's not our accuser. He's our comforter. He's our power, our strength, our source. I believe the Holy Spirit would say to us this morning that some of us, all of us, need to allow this brokenness to come into our body so that Christ can come in and restore, to take shape. I'm reminded of the story of David. David was a man of great talent. He was the youngest of his brothers, sure, but he grew in stature and admonition before the Lord. It's what the word tells us. He was an incredibly gifted king and leader and ruler, he was an incredible soldier. He had great character until he didn't. And in the springtime when the kings would go off to war, David stood back and allowed his army to go fight the battles that he himself was called to lead and fight for. He compromised. He sat back. That was the first wrong step. He stood on his porch and saw and noticed a, a young lady bathing on the rooftop. And he started lusting after her. And then he called. Instead of running away from there and be like, what am I doing? He instead called for her to be brought to his home. And he committed adultery. And you think at that point he would have opened up his eyes and said, what am I doing? Like, what, what is going on? I need, I need to turn from this. Instead, he's like, I need to justify myself. I need to fight my own battle. I need to right this and not get caught he called for Uriah the Hittite, who was Bathsheba's husband. 
and said, hey, why don't you just come and, and come from the battlefield? It's been a hard time. And, and why, don't, why don't you just like spend some time with your wife? And Uriah, a man of character, said, listen, king, I, I, I can't. My, my brothers are off at war and that's where I should be. So I will sleep outside of my home. I mean, just incredible character. And you think that would be the moment where David would have saw his character and said, okay, I got got to do something right. He kept going. He called for the general and said, hey, listen, when Uriah gets back to battle, I want you to put him on the front lines. And and the moment the enemy gets closer, I want you to to pull our offenses back, except for Uriah. Killed a man. David killed a man. And that still was not the moment of his repentance until another person, a man of God, Nathan the prophet, comes to him, shares this beautiful story of a, a man who was, had one sheep and the sheep was, was, was stolen by a man who had hundreds of sheep. And, and David's like, where's that man? We need, to, we need to bring justice. And Nathan the prophet looks to David and says, you are that man. And in that moment, the spirit broke David and he realized that, that my talent was taking me places where my character could not keep me. And if I continue on this path, God cannot use me until he breaks me. Instantly, David ran to the temple, and he just fell before the Lord. He wept, and he wept, and he wept, and he was repenting of his sins. And what did God do? Did God stay at a distance and say, you know what? You had your chance. You blew it. I gave you everything you had. I made you king. I gave you every resource you ever wanted under heaven. I filled you with my spirit. And because you failed and continued to fail, I'm I'm, I'm extracting everything and I'm pulling out of this relationship. Is that what God did? No. If anything, God did the exact opposite and, and continued to pour his love out on David and he restored him. That is the grace of our God. And then he even redeemed the situation with Bathsheba. And guess what? Jesus came from that line. Our Savior came from that sin. He can redeem situations. Your abilities, your talents, your, your giftings, your skill sets. Maybe you have fallen into a, a, a decline of selfishness and, and trying to prop yourself up and trying to increase your influence. And, and I'm here to tell you that God loves you. He cares about you. And he's not done with you. He gave you those giftings not for your own goodness, but so that he could receive the glory. And he desires to continue to give himself glory through you. So don't give up. Don't give up. Make a difference. How? By giving everything away. Let's, let's make the decision this, eve, this morning to say this. Everything I have is his and it's for his glory. I will serve. I will love. I will be generous with my time, my talents and treasures. I won't invest in things that aren't worthwhile. I will invest into things that are going to advance the kingdom and the purposes of God and the lives of others. But it can only happen when we allow ourselves to be broken before him. So can we just stand together in this place as we close our time? Let me just pray over you. Father, you are a redeemer. Father, I know you're opening up eyes even in this place, in this moment. The one who is 
like many of us have been, just blinded by what was reality. Maybe we allow the worries of this world to choke us and to keep us from seeing truth. But I believe in this moment your Holy Spirit is opening up our eyes, exposing the areas we have yet to make a difference because we haven't been broken before you. The same way David was broken and then went to the temple and wrote that beautiful Psalm 51 where he said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Where he penned the words that sacrifices you didn't want, but a broken and contrite heart you would always accept. That is the sacrifice you want. And Father, we know that's a sacrifice you want in this moment. Broken hearts, hearts that are committed and and recommitted to you. Father, we want to make a difference. We know that the time is coming where, where you will come again. Where we will give an account to you for all the things that we've done, good and bad, as 1 Corinthians teaches us. We know that time is not going to be a time of beating us up or hurting us. It's going to be a time where hopefully we can celebrate with you that we used your power, we used your strength to accomplish the things you've called us to do. So we give you our time, we give you our talent, we give you our treasure. And if that's your commitment, will you say amen? And that wraps up today's message, but we've got more on the way, so be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a future podcast. You belong here, so we encourage you to get connected. You can find us on social media or online at mwcwichita.com. That's mwcwichita.com. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next week.